You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. On this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast, we sit down with Fouad Anazari and Stephanie Richards. Fouad is the managing director at Lamarca. Lamarca is a consulting company with a venture studio and venture capital arm. Stephanie has 20 years experience in the intersection of national economic development and innovation systems. On today's episode, we talk about international collaboration and initiatives between the Middle East and Silicon Valley, regulatory considerations and areas of collaboration, challenges and success stories for entrepreneurs between the two regions, and much more. All right, let's start this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. Well, Stephanie, I'm very excited to have you on this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Now, I think I've been involved with LaMarca in some way since pretty much the very beginning that you've been here in Silicon Valley, which has been an extremely short amount of time. Now, before going into everything that has been accomplished and that, how about you give our audience a brief intro of your careers and your background up until this point? Oh, yeah. So my background in the consulting industry. So I spent uh, a couple of years with a management consulting firm like UI, then DuPont, before in 2014, 15, decided some, with some of the partners to start the Marca, which is basically started as a consulting firm. We grew up, the first project that we had literally was like a couple of thousand dollars until today. We have maybe a venue of maybe $10 million each year. Something happened in 2019, 20, Corona, post-Corona, that we thought of introducing other surface lines to La Marca. So we introduced a startup studio and a VC. So today the definition of La Marca is ultimate platform for consulting, for strategy and technology and innovation. So we're very active in consulting, building companies and also investing as well that journey is amazing but why not just double down on the consultant why go broader into vc into venture studio we because we missed so many opportunities like when we first started doing incubators and accelerators some of the startups that went through our programs they became really big and that was like, aha, uh-huh, I think we can do something there. And that's why we now, when we run these programs in terms of consulting or any other programs, we see the ones that we think fit our investment thesis and the way that we basically evaluate those businesses. And we pick the ones that we think that they're winners. So if you had picked those winners, would you be here today? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah. Stephanie, can you tell us a little about your career, your background before we dive into the questions? Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for being here. So I have a similar journey, actually, a little bit to Flawed. I started as a strategy consultant with a firm called Monitor Group, headquartered out of Cambridge, Massachusetts, real focus on strategy and competitiveness. 
And I actually was working with them from early in the 2000s on emerging markets and the Middle East. And I moved out to Dubai in 2007. And what was so interesting about the economies out there and the ecosystems was that they went through the value chain of governments thinking about how to develop national visions and developing national strategies, economic strategies, always this desire to move towards innovation-driven economies and innovation ecosystems. But now we're at this phase, I think it's only been about seven, eight years where there's really been a concerted effort to, to help build those startup ecosystems. I left Modern about 2013. I was working independently through moving into that innovation and startup space. And now I've been working with Lamarca. We've been working together on and off for, I think, five years or something. And just to, to see how there's this place and this opportunity to sit at this intersection of policy and building the ecosystems, investment, connecting the, the different markets across the world through these innovation bridges. That's really exciting. So it's a great place to be out there. So Fouad had mentioned missing out on some opportunities. What do you see kind of the investor landscape right now in the Middle East? How has it changed? What was it years ago? What's, what's it now? What do you think it'll be five years from now? I think the key thing here is that it, they're young ecosystems. They've started small. They're growing fast. I feel that about maybe seven, eight years ago, if someone said the word startup, it wasn't really clear what they meant or what that was. There's a long history of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurialism. Small and medium enterprises have always been important. There's been a lot of folks opening their own businesses, trading, things like that. But to really get into the startup space, we need scalable VC-backed companies, tech-enabled. And I've seen how the small group of investors, a lot of them had some experience doing this in the West or other places and started coming back and seeding it. And that's grown. There's a much, much larger, much more experienced pool of investors developing now. But it's still, compared to the Valley here, a lot of it is concentrated around early stage investing, just because that's the point at which the startups have got to. And we're starting to see them emerge now beyond seed and A, and we're seeing some real success stories growing out of that. But there hasn't been the landscape for growth or late stage investors yet, because the ecosystem just hasn't matured. So I think that's one of the, one of the key differences between a young ecosystem and a, and a place like the Valley. How are the investor dynamics there? And what I mean by that is... Do they want to invest and just get a, a minority, small portion of the company? I don't know, 10, 20, 25%? Or are they looking for more, hey, if I invest in you, I want to control everything and you're now my employee. How is the dynamics there for the investor entrepreneur? Is it similar to Silicon Valley or completely different? So I think it has changed like 2015. That was really typical that all people come from different backgrounds. They're new to basically investing in tech. And it was really difficult to convince a lot of them to have smaller equity and then encourage and have the CEO motivated to, to go with the startup. But we see this changing a lot because we had some success stories. Yeah. One big challenge until today, maybe the number of success story is not that big. And one of the reasons still like exits are not that many. The exits still are rare. And the corporate kind of acquisition 
still it's in the early stage. So we don't see a lot of technology companies are acquiring and acquiring those uh, startups. So I think if we see more of this and this young ecosystems, it will encourage more people to get. And so there's a couple of missing kind of players, but the actual basically corporate innovation, corporate merger and acquisitions, it needs to be more involved in the landscape of entrepreneurship and innovation. For the companies there that have made it, what was their expansion? Did they expand just in the Middle East or did they go from Saudi Arabia to Europe or to Africa or what was kind of the expansion model for these companies? Yeah, so there is, we, we learned like from these startups that they go to a specific destinations with a lot of people. So for example, Egypt, India, Pakistan, where there's a population, high number of people over there. So there's a trend of companies going there. Some of them, they go and either do a, a direct uh, entry to the market or some of them, actually they go and hire, acquire a, a startup that with a similar business model. So you will see that this trend of going to Egypt and then going to Pakistan, India, because I think there's a lot of similarities in the culture and stuff like that. But also these countries have a big, there's have large populations. For these companies, when they partner with others, when they collaborate, I mean, it might be obvious, but what are some of the benefits that they can get and you know with working with Lamarca and the the ecosystem there can you elaborate a little bit more on these opportunities so i think what's really one of the challenges for a lot of startups back home when they basically get invested from the major vcs and now they're in the stage of going global so they don't only want capital they want capital and access to markets and one of the things that we hire and we try to basically fill and and play a role and is basically this creating this bridges and connecting and we wanted to do it in a very seamless way we want to have provide all the startups from these different emerging markets to Silicon Valley. And maybe we have an ambition to go to other tech ecosystem as well and have the seamless connection. So the startup that involved with us or our community or expert, they should have really easy access to the tech ecosystems. And it goes both ways as well, I think, because for a number of the startups that maybe aren't ready to expand to developed markets, there's so much opportunity for them in the Middle East. But there's great opportunities for them to be able to expand further and faster through partnership with U.S. companies or European companies. And Fawad said the total number of exits is low. I think it was something like 70 exits or so last year. But it's, which is nothing, right, compared to, to the Bay Area. It's a start. But the thing is, it's grown almost fourfold in the past four years. Now, granted, it, it dropped down this year so far. But the interesting data was, I think, in um, the recent data, 50% of those exits, the companies had been founded not more than five years ago. So there can be a very fast trajectory. And that's a great opportunity for international companies to come into a region that's traditionally been quite hard to do business in if you don't know those markets or have access to it. So I think part of the, the benefit of the multiverse as well is to help make those connections between Middle Eastern emerging ecosystem startups and advanced, sophisticated, slightly later stage international startups. We can bring more companies in. There's partnership opportunities, acquisition opportunities, a way to get some great tech from the Bay Area or other places into those young ecosystems as well. So there's so many opportunities to create these flows between the, the markets. 
And also something very interesting, even for the VC landscape. Since the 1960s, VCs were developing their investment thesis around, yeah, let's do a power law. There is 10 of them, maybe one or two will succeed. And then, but now we see like a lot of changes in the way that VC is basically helping the startups, not only by providing capital, but also having more business development teams and also doing a venture builder or maybe an accelerator. So you will see there is a lot of changes in the VC landscape. And we hope also like we tap into this, also help the VCs maybe moving because we have a very good experience in building the startup studio and, and maybe this kind of do this early stage investment and sourcing those deals. So not only helping the startup, but also we want to help anyone that like think of VC as a very traditional way of investing to maybe incorporate new ideas and very innovative ideas in creating a very good deal flow, either from here or from, or from those emerging markets as well. Now, you've only been in Silicon Valley a very short amount of time. How do you stay relevant? How have you built out such a vibrant community in such a short amount of time? So I think something, this is really a great question. Like when we started here, it was very important. I would say pick the energy of the room. If people are really here excited about certain topics, okay, how can we basically focus on these topics? And what we realized, there is some trends like generative AI, like sustainability tech, that's very important to people here. And a couple of examples, like we did a hackathon with generative AI and the multiverse, and we were able to attract top talent to participate in this. We do a lot of ideation sessions, okay, brainstorming sessions about challenges. Sometimes we don't have solutions for this challenge, but at least we engage with the local community to address and think about them. One of them, PropTech. We had a very amazing group of people to think about how to find solutions for that housing plus commercial, the area between residential and commercial real estate. And then we had a couple of ideas to address. We had MedTech as well. Actually, we had a very interesting story that one time we did a, an ideation session. This is how being relevant, yeah, around MedTech. And then we had 10 people come. One of them basically decided to build his own startup. And now he joined one of the largest accelerators in the world. And he actually graduated with a, he got funded just three months of coming here. So if answer your question is basically choosing topics, themes that are very important to people, having people who knows the ecosystem, like, you know, our team here, we have a couple of people who are really connected to the, to the ecosystem, engaging with ecosystem leaders, also having them come and speak and increase the quality of the sessions, the speaker, the, the community that we're bringing. Yeah. Are there any initiatives right now led by the government to promote the entrepreneur ecosystem, to promote entrepreneurism? Yeah, I mean, like there's so many. We had a couple of groups coming basically to with the same objectives, yeah, around either they want to help companies to export, export ICT companies, and then the opposite is basically attracting some companies that are really in the stage of global expansion to go back. So we have the... The Saudi unicorn, they came. We have initiative like back home called The Garage, which is really impressive. We, we have the multiverse as well as one of the initiatives that we are working with a couple of basically partners. 
We have also back home code, which is Center of Digital Entrepreneurship, which they're doing a lot of stuff. So you see a lot when, and even in UAE, and there is a couple of, there is, uh, I don't know, maybe we can mention some of the programs in the UAE as well. There's a lot going on in the UAE as well, and part of it's to bridge the ecosystems, part of it's to create designated startup support systems like Hub 71, Area 2071 in Dubai, Hub 71 is in Abu Dhabi, of course, and lots of programs, educational programs going on as well. One of the things I think is great about the programs, and especially some of the ones Fraud mentioned, that takes startups abroad and brings international players to the ecosystem is We've seen how there's, you can look at an ecosystem, you can say, okay, there's some pieces, there's investment and there's talent and there's accelerators and there's corporates. And there've been a lot of efforts to try to put in place those big puzzle pieces. There's a glue around all of that is just the culture of startups and tech and mindsets and is there a supportive community if you wander down to your local coffee shop can you find someone who's sitting there programming might have some words of advice that's a little new still to us so i feel like bringing people to other parts of the world where that's more developed and dropping them in for a certain amount of time letting them get a feel for it what it's like it it, it changes the vision it raises the bar a little bit and that what i might call that sort of slightly intangible side of it it's where these international programs that are bringing the companies here or taking others back to the younger ecosystems they're, they're working towards moving the needle in a way that I think funds of funds, accelerators, incubators, etc. have a hard time doing alone. Yeah. And something really interesting that we also learned through these programs that we have been doing, because a lot of people, even like for us, they say, why do you bring people here? Why do you take people there? And we did a couple of things that were really successful. Even some of the programs that we executed recently got like an NPA score of 100. Yeah, this is what does that mean for the audience? So it's a net promoting score, basically like the feedback and the scoring of the all the overall experience of the program was like really high. And we did a couple of things. One of them is basically like the program itself, having a couple of partners to, to help us doing that, but also something, the personal engagement and experiences that we create to those audience by connecting them one-to-one and introducing them to specific people that they aspire like if they without this program they are not able to meet so we added this kind of personal engagement and i would say customized experience that really how happy they were in joining this this programs yeah so like we did a couple of things and it was like by creative process we didn't know that these kind of personal engagement will really have this kind of success but yeah i mean it was really great learning and, and the storytelling so i think it was when you uh, people can attend sessions and stuff and this is really great but when we introduce them to someone who had been there done that it's really a different kind of experience that they, they had in this kind of program yeah. And a lot of them have been through like accelerator programs, but like Fouad says, this is, and they're great programs, the founders, the startups have been through, but this was now trying to add a new layer on board that it's hard to do just in your local ecosystem. And we had some of the founders saying they just, they got a chance to step back, zoom out, see things differently. A bunch of them were saying, I thought I was being ambitious, but I suddenly learned what thinking big really means. When you come to the Bay Area and there's just this slight shift on the lens and the perspective that I think it's hard to do if you're in a bit of a traditional model. So this was like, this is a pretty unique design. Yeah. And it's just like this kind of, wow, yeah, we came here and we start to think big. Some of it because they, and they're like, 
in their ecosystem. Maybe they got the wrong advice or maybe like the investor told them to focus in this area. But coming here and this ability even to, to, they tell us, yeah, it's the first time since I started my business, I was able to zoom out. And oh yeah, so a lot of experiential learning through storytelling, through personal engagement that I think made everything we do is very unique. Do you see these companies that come here and then go back to Saudi Arabia or the Middle East that their their companies pivot or change at all? So they tell us like some of them week two and the six week, oh, we already pivoting. You know, we found a bigger and, and a better business model that we are shifting to. Some of them get attractions from global kind of players here and this is give them more confidence yeah i think my solution can go big if this x company or y company are interested in, in my business so they yes definitely some of them they pivoted they consider different business models some of them even consider become more ambitious toward acquiring their companies too. so just like completely different mindset from the day one, the day that they arrive. A lot of them also said, oh, I've realized that I need to build time into my calendar each year to come back. I need to keep these learnings, this feeling fresh. It, it is hard when you go back to a home ecosystem and you're then bogged back down to the day-to-day of running and building a company to keep that feeling and that spirit when you're all together abroad going through the, the program. So I think, and, and we've had stories of the founders have come back of, or relocated or exploring opportunities here. So I think there's been a, a significant impact on them. Yeah. And, and and for us, it was really interesting also to live with these startups for either three weeks, four weeks, six weeks to really get to know them. And initially when we, even for the startup studio or the VC side, we, that was not part of our investment thesis. We thought like we will go build companies, but now through these different programs, we live with the startups, we talk to them, we engage with them, and that actually make it even for our investment decision to become easier and actually more aligned with what we're trying to achieve. I guess talking about the investment, what is the investment thesis? I think I maybe I can start and then maybe Stephanie can help me, but I think a couple of things. Yeah, first, if someone can say, can convince us that this is a really hot, big, uh, scalable business model, global scalable business model. This is one. And then the team. Okay. I like to refer was a trio. So you have a CEO, you have a CTO and maybe a CFO. So not only one founder, basically two or three co-founders. And the third thing is basically our ability to add value. If we think that this is a business model that we understand all the details, the network effects associated with it. Like, how can we add value to that business? So this is the three points that are essential. And I don't know, Stephanie, if you want to add into it. Yeah. And I think just the other things, just we're early stage sector agnostic. We do, of course, look for disruptive, scalable business models. Everybody does, right, in VC. But I think to Fouad's point about where we can add value for us, where I think we can really help the founders is where we see that they will ultimately have an ambition to go beyond their home borders or even their regional borders. And that's because we have these, these footprints in different markets. And sure, there's, there's a time to scale and go international. And it's not when you're seed, right? We, we recognize it takes a while to get there, 
But being able to invest in and work with and live with these founders for a while beforehand means that we're just that much better prepared to help them when they do need it. This is something that it's, it, it maybe that sounds a little bit obvious, but it's surprising how many startups, I think, who are coming up in the Middle East or emerging markets and they look at the markets, the populations there, and they feel like they can get to unicorn status just by staying within those borders. And what we're really hoping to see is someone who you know recognizes there's a time and a journey to get there, but wants to pursue that different ambition because that's what's really going to change these ecosystems. Once to your point about role models, once you start to have a few breakup, breakout companies that can make the leap, can prove they can cut it in a different international market, then I think the whole ecosystem gets set on fire and takes off. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting. Someone came to us, one of our portfolio companies said a lot of people, a lot of investors say that they're a strategic investor, but it's the first time I see strategic investor. And we're very genuine about saying that we really work with them, we help them, we make introductions and and through different activities we do either like even having them attend sometimes as a keynote on, or a panelist. It's basically this added value to, I hope that we reach that the stage for all of our portfolio companies that, yeah, we are a strategic investor by adding this substantial value to those to those companies. For companies from Silicon Valley that are interested to set up something in the Middle East or maybe London or some other countries, are there any regulatory issues or incentive programs or anything like that? Is there, is there anything that they should be kind of thinking of? I know I can talk about maybe the GCC and so there's a lot of subsidies, a lot of initiatives that want to attract those companies even in terms of incentive schemes, uh, waivers, tax packages, though even relocate programs and stuff like that. So for the companies that really like uh, ready to expand, there is so many things that happening there. Uh, a lot of even initiatives, a lot of programs wanted to basically attract those companies that ready to expand. Yeah. These yeah. are good programs to, to take advantage of as well, because there are certain if I think about the flow versus setting up a business and there would be a choice of free zones to set up in, but there's only a couple in the UAE that operate on common law, internationally recognized law that is most favored by VC investors. There are free zones likely to emerge in, in other countries as well. But I think that's one consideration they should look at when they're thinking about visas or hiring talent. Now, it's great to see there's entrepreneurship visas that are being offered in a lot of the countries. So Whereas before it was quite difficult, if you're a founder or talent or startup to figure out what visa you should be on to really cater to your needs. Now that's being addressed as well, which is great. Trading across borders then to access the market, that's going to be a little market by market specific. But like what's said, there's, there's programs, there's advisors there to help with those sorts of things as well. So I think companies heading over there should take advantage of those programs. What's the most difficult thing you're finding in your kind of roles? Um. That's a tough question. <laughs> um, so one of the most difficult things is from the consulting side and having people who have experience in running, designing and running this kind of programs. From the startup studio side, finding founders. So it's not easy to find a founder who is really coachable. And, and if he has an idea, is willing to pivot his idea to work on, on a bigger idea. So I, if, if the I think in my opinion, one of the most challenging thing is finding talent Yeah, to join the team and have passion for technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, 
I would also say, because based on what we do, there's a lot of moving around. So moving between the emerging markets in the Middle East, Europe here, man, your time zone, the West Coast is great. California and Silicon Valley are great, but trying to figure out how to work across a nine, 10, 11 hour, 12 hour difference is something that we see this with the companies and the founders that come over as well. You're getting messages at 4 a.m., at midnight. It's These are things that I think we've, we feel like we live in a global world and we have a lot of things like Zoom, which are great, but trying to move around and manage all of that is, is a little unique and we're working on that. And the other part of it as well is there's a, it's interesting how every time you slot into a different location or a different ecosystem, there are slightly different cultural norms or behaviors or attitudes. And when we bring folks over here, we really want them to get the most out of their four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. And sometimes there's a very different style of networking. Do you just go right up and talk to someone and give your pitch and ask for something and walk on? Or do you build the relationship, warm it up? There's, these are things we're finding we're adapting to in each market, but we're also having to encourage the, the participants in our program to, to get on board with as well. I'm really curious about the cultural coaching you give companies from the Middle East when they come here to Silicon Valley. What about the coaching you give Silicon Valley companies when they want to go to the Middle East? I, I feel like we're doing, we're trying to give them as much of an idea as possible before they arrive here. What it's going to be like, you know, how people, anything from like how people dress, what a typical like meeting format is, things like that. But then also just everyone here is really friendly, but everyone here will jump in and start saying their piece and connecting and making introductions. It's both fantastic because everyone is so open and willing to help the sort of the pay it forward vibe. It also means that it can be intimidating to try to get your piece in and your ask in. So I think a lot of the coaching is just, there's no formal coaching. It's just talking to them. It's telling them stories from our experience. It's telling them the stories of the previous batches. Quad, would you like to take the second part of that? Companies from Silicon Valley here going to the Middle East. I think I would say building relationships. So uh, I, I, people before maybe going expanding or maybe the sales itself or the sales process try to connect with people so we always advise people to go there build that relationship connect with people and try to understand more about what's basically the need and how can you be an added value to them and it's not only about that transaction it just should it should be like a relationship so building a relationship is, is a key for people who want to move there and even like maintaining that relationship even if for example if we're working on a project the project either before the project during the project and after the project as well is really important i would say yeah the local vcs there do you think that they're more interested in getting access to silicon valley startups to deploy their capital or more interested in local startups to invest in or what are you kind of seeing for investors appetite i think a lot of them looking for local deals because this is like they have access to those those deals we will see a lot of trends on fund of funds also that's really becoming really popular and those they are active here and in, in silicon valley to looking for international investment because they realize that if you go international, it's not easy to find good deals. So the best way, one of the maybe smartest move that they do is basically look for a, a well-established investors and then basically become an LP for that. So you will see this trend of maybe having investing directly on startup over there. But when they come when they come here to the US or in the global markets, they either do syndicates or they act as an LP fund to fund basically with leading VCs here. Yeah. 
It'll be interesting to see how and how fast it evolves as well. We've you know, typically seen a lot of early stage sector agnostic funds just because that's what the startup funnel was bringing to investors. And now we're, gonna, we're seeing more growth stage funds launching. We're seeing larger fund sizes being announced. We're seeing more move into sector specific funds. There was a recent announcement around 80 million fintech specific fund. There's health tech specific focus. There's interestingly $200 million fund for high tech early stage because we haven't been as high tech as most other ecosystems. So we're, there's an appetite to go into high tech and that's for both local and international startups. So some of these big initiatives that are pushing in that direction, what says is the current status, but I'm interested to see how that evolves over the next few years as well, especially those programs that bring in international founders and soft landing programs, I think will start to diversify the the profile of the players. And, and I have a wish list for those any emerging ecosystems, uh, a couple of things actually. Maybe we will see those corporates acquire more. So all the largest, maybe telecoms, the banks, they start because there's a trend of these companies going and building companies, which is fine if you have. But also I would like to see more of them acquiring companies because this has created more success stories for the investors, for the startups and all that. So this is one kind of my wish list, but also also more, more LPs. So you'll see a couple of family offices that become the GP, but we see also a lot of influencers, a lot of sports figures, okay? They're not investing in tech. So, and also like endowments and so on. So I, I, I hope to see more LPs coming and supporting GPs and investing in those, uh, in, 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 in technology as well. Because if you see, if you go do analysis, a lot of GPs, they're only kind of family offices. But yeah, so the movement of having more LPs to support the GPs and different kind of LPs is really gonna help a lot the ecosystems. Was there anything that we didn't cover that you really think that our audience could benefit from the knowledge, the wisdom, the experience? I suppose what I would put out there is a little bit of a plug for the emerging ecosystems. I think it's fair to generate a little bit of excitement for them because I, I really see it as some of the most exciting parts of the world in terms of the, the pace of growth in the exits. This is, we're, we're coming off a little bit of a high as well. We'll see how it goes, but hopefully that also increases quality. I think I was looking at some of the data a while back. And when you look at, everyone looks to look at, are we getting to unicorn status? So I think we've, if I look at the MENA region, Middle East, North Africa, Turkey, African continent as a whole, we've been able to tally up maybe 20 unicorns in total. And that sounds like a blip on the radar. When we look at latest data, a couple of years ago, there was a bumper crop of new unicorns. Just in 2021 across the world, I think there was 500 plus new unicorns, two thirds in the US, China and India. But if I look back to the early days of counting this, right, from when it was first uh, defined, I think CB Insights tried to do some analysis and they counted back as far as 2010, 2007, up to 2014. And they, could, they, they counted 22 unicorns across those first seven years of tallying it when the term became popularized. So if the entire world could produce about 20 unicorns in those seven years, and our ecosystems have really only been picking up speed for about seven years. And we're already doing the 20 unicorns. I would say this is really the frontier market of exciting growth stage companies, exit opportunities, potentially really important, successful companies. So 
for anybody over here who's interested in bringing their technologies or their companies into great new markets, this is this is an opportunity to partner with or even acquire some of these companies. So that's my little yeah, and, and an invitation to finding those opportunities on those emerging markets. But also, I have uh, also like one thing that I want to see even from uh, either like big kind of. VCs or investment firms is that I want to think together and invite everyone maybe to think of new ways of investment, new ways of finding deals in new ways of supporting entrepreneurs. So, okay, you have your basically the way that uh, you have built your investment strategy, but let's come together and think about what can we do differently in terms of accelerating an acquisition or maybe doing a venture builder or, or incubator. So even if you are focused on one thing, this is the way that you normally invest, let's think together how we basically bring new ways of uh, basically investment and finding deal flow so this is thing i want to see even from everyone to think together and maybe changing and updating the way that we we do investment perfect and with that let's have some closing thoughts anything we should expect to see in lamarca in the coming years anything else that you'd like to add before wrapping this up yeah so i think since the the start here in silicon valley maybe it's been a year or so it's the excitement what we have been hearing from people even the silicon valley magazine was uh, listing us as the best in the bay maybe a couple of months ago so to hear that excitement it was really a great kind of testimony of what we can do further here but also the ambition is to take this initiative to london berlin to a different ecosystem as well with our with our partners so we want to go to different ecosystems and build that kind of connection and bridges. And as I mentioned in the beginning, is like providing the seamless access to different ecosystems. So this is, I think, the ambition and that what we are trying to do. Stephanie, would you like to add anything for a closing thought? Only that I think there's a really exciting journey ahead. We're already starting to build these roads into the UK ecosystems. And while this is just a fantastic place to be in Silicon Valley, there are some great zones of really incredible deep tech innovation and sector specific fintech and other things happening over there. So all of these different places that are on the route map to go to bring something new. And for us, if we can be able to offer startups and founders from emerging markets, a range of places to learn from and grow in, that's just that's a fantastic opportunity for everybody. Yeah, and we want to uh, invite all the people that are interested and in basically, as I mentioned, that we the definition for us is the ultimate platform for strategy, technology, and innovation. So if you're interested in strategy and technology, please reach out. I think we can maybe put the website and like the, the LinkedIn and to people more. And But this is an open invitation for anyone that was passionate about these three areas to get engaged and get involved with us. Fantastic. And with that, I want to thank Fod and Stephanie for taking the time to be on this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. And when I'm not the host, I'm an investment banker focused on mergers, acquisition, growth capital. Connect with me on LinkedIn at Sean Flynn. And also check out thesiliconvalleypodcast.com for past episodes and what we're working on. And with that, Stephanie Fought, I want to thank you for taking time this week to be on the Silicon Valley Podcast. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. To access our resources, visit us at thesiliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. 
This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.